0: So Maxime Bernier, certainly ruffling feathers, continuing towards, uh, I guess, irritating Andrew Scheer as much as he can. But uh, he came out today, announced the name of his new party, which will be called the People's Party. Says he's got a few candidates, 140 grand in the bank. And he'll run a full slate of candidates for the election, which is a nearly impossible task. But we'll say uh, this about him. He is in a unique position because he's got nothing to lose. So he can say whatever he wants and he can push both Trudeau and Sheer and the non-existent thing to talk about issues they likely do not want to confront. I want to bring in Mercedes Stevenson because, of course, we get a preview of what she brings to us with the West Block on this Sunday. She joins us now. Mercedes, we've got another party,
1: the People's Party. You like the name? Uh, you know... I- think that it was, interestingly, uh, closer to something you'd expect from a left-wing party, because typically people's <laughs> parties have been associated with communism. So an interesting choice from someone who a lot of people consider to be on the right and who has certainly, uh, of course, been with the Conservative Party and identified himself as a libertarian in the past. So uh, a somewhat different choice of a name.
0: Yeah, I mean, how seriously... Um can this be taken? It's an enormous task. Bernier says, Mr. Bernier says he's going to run a full you know, slate of candidates. He's got 140,000 in the bank, but who knows when this election is going to be called? I mean, really, it's going to come down to NAFTA or when it's most advantageous for the liberals. But who does this hurt most? I mean, other than Andrew Scheer. Is it any threat to Mr. Trudeau or do you actually think that this is going to, be going to lift off the ground?
1: You know, that's the big question, is uh, who can he get? And at this point, that is a massive blinking question mark. I asked him on the show today, who do you have? And he said, well, I have thousands of volunteers, people who are contacting me online. Okay, well, you know, it's one thing to reach out on Twitter. It is quite something else to go door knocking on a campaign through rain, shine, uh, uh, shine, sleet, no, uh, in all our Canadian environments. So there certainly is interest, but mm-hmm. can he pull it off? Uh, he told me in a couple of weeks he's going to have an announcement about people who are backing him, and we'll see if there's anyone who can kind of pull people in. But to mount 338 candidates across the country, the riding infrastructure that's required for that is very tough. Yeah. Could he hurt Andrew Shearer? Absolutely. Because if he runs candidates in tight, Tory-liberal ridings, a few hundred votes going to Maxime Bernier could mean the Liberals win. And I asked him, Alex, is starting your own party worth another liberal majority to you? Because that could be what you're ensuring. He insists he is going to win the next election. I don't think you'll find a single political analyst who believes that's possible. But could he win a couple of seats Uh, or more than that? We'll find out. Yeah, I mean, he could
0: cause, I think, headaches for both Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Shear in Quebec. He does do well there. People like him. And he can talk about the issues, and I think this is interesting. He can talk about the issues neither politician want to touch, whether that's health care, opening that up, changing the structure of it, and or milk supply issues. He, he is in an envious position because he can kind of do whatever he wants.
1: Well, what was interesting to me is, in the interview, he says that he kind of wants to be the the everyman party. He told me he wants NDPers to vote for him, which I, I imagine NDPers voting for Maxime Bernier. But he says, well, they don't support corporate welfare and neither do I. He says he can attract fiscal liberals uh, or who are liberals who are more fiscally conservative. Uh, and certainly there's frustration there. I've talked to a lot of liberals who are kind of the old school, more Khrushchev, Martin liberals, uh, and they feel this government's a little too far to the left. He thinks he can pick them up. He thinks there's a lot of dissatisfied conservatives uh, who will be in favor of him. Now, it would be something else if he can pick up voters from all three parties. That is quite a big tent that he's planning to build. Uh, but one of the senses you get, Alex, is that he's not really focused with this party. And part of that, I think, is because, and I certainly thought in his messaging today, he's backed away from some of his more extreme and inflammatory statements. And I think he's done that because his advisors have likely said to him, if you continue down this path, you are not going to win. Sure, you'll attract a few people, but not enough receipts. So he's trying to soften it. But in the process of doing that, things start to become a little bit more mushy and confused. Yeah,
0: but he d- I think, you know, on issues of immigration, that will appeal to those in Quebec?
1: There are there are certainly people it'll appeal to. And, you know, it's interesting, um, people who listen to the press conference today who are outside politics, I like to chat to them and see, you know, did you see what he said? What did you think? Um, and what he said appealed to some people because it was a softer version of before. So whereas people might have, Thought some of the questions he was raising uh, were in poor taste or potentially could inflame anti Semitism, white nationalists. They liked what he was saying, saying, Look, I like immigration, yeah. just not mass immigration. But Alex, that's a huge difference from what he had been talking about before. Um, so he really is changing his positions on sort of diversity and on immigration to, to change it and soften it. But he could appeal to even more people with that because there's a lot of people who might say, you know, I'd like to ask these questions and get to the bottom of them, who might not have been the same people who would react to his tweet?
0: Yeah. Uh, I know that you're having the premier on the show this weekend. And I can't imagine what you talk about other than the fact that, you know, in three Nothing months to talk about at all, <laughs> we've got eight lawsuits. And now, you know, we've got uh, Toronto in absolute hysteria here.
1: Yeah. So Doug Ford, uh, what an interview with him. <laughs> He says that uh, he can't really comment on the judge. Um, I asked him if he thought this is an activist judge. As you know, a lot of conservatives believe there are judges who are not just interpreting the law, they're making law, um, since he clearly did not agree with the judge based on his decision. And he said he's got duct tape over his mouth on the judge. He's not allowed to talk about that. But judges do make mistakes, he points out. And uh, Alex, he goes on to say that he believes he was elected to do this. I asked him You know, this was nowhere in your platform. And he said, well, but I said I was going to run on small government. Um, He believes he's completely within his powers, and he insists that he consulted many constitutional experts, including ones, he says, who do not like his ideas or his party, but that they all acknowledge he does have the right to do it. Uh, One of the big questions people are asking is not if he has the right. Uh, Legally, he clearly does. The federal government's not planning to do anything about it. But whether it's really worth unleashing something this powerful uh, and perhaps having other premiers use it in ways that Doug Ford might not like uh, to further their own interests and their province's interests, is it really worth that over city council? And is this a vendetta with city council? He insists city council is just totally dysfunctional. Uh, he told me that he once debated shark fin soup for 12 hours. Can't, yeah, so can can't, can't it I be can't both, though? Done. I mean,
0: they can be dysfunctional, and they can be too big, and it can be political. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he can be right, and they can be right. But I do, I do think it's interesting. He didn't campaign on it, but Kathleen Wynne didn't campaign on cap and trade. In fact, she said she was not going to do it, and Mr. McGinty didn't campaign on a health tax, which he put in almost instantly. So it's not like he's the first politician not to overtly campaign on something and then you know, all of a sudden do it. I mean, welcome to politics. No,
1: and there's there's certainly, you know, there's certainly politicians who campaigned on things and then did not do them as well. For example, proportional representation, electoral reform, with liberals. So that's not that uncommon. I think what's so jarring about this uh, from people you talk to or political watchers is that it's happening during, basically during the election season. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I, I asked Mr. Ford about that and said, why would you do it? He gives the answer on the show as to why he thought this was the right time. Why not wait? Why not wait a few months, a few years beyond the election? Why do it now? Um, and essentially, he believes this needs to be done as quickly as possible. It is not completely clear, Alex, how this is going to save a ton of money or how it's going to make city council more efficient to have less people than more. Um, but uh, the other interesting thing is there's some hints there that he's certainly looking at doing this in other places, and he sees himself as someone in a position to hold city governments to account. And that's not something big municipalities are used to. They're not used to reporting back to the province. So
0: <laughs> gets very interesting. Yeah, they forgot that they work for the province, and the province can, uh, can really make their lives difficult because they're in control. That's interesting. Um, before we let you go, uh, Parliament gets back to business on Monday. And I've been hearing a whole bunch of chatter. Maybe you can kind of quash what's right and wrong. Uh, that there might be proroguing of this session and we could get into a snap election. What, what are we uh, looking at as far as Monday?
1: There's certainly speculation about that. I haven't heard it from anyone who I consider a credible source at this point. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen, uh, but uh, they certainly were not keen on proroguing uh, when I was with them. out, The Liberal cabinet uh, out in uh, B.C., And uh, Tonda McCharles, who works for the Toronto Stars on the show this weekend, she was saying they're all in a great mood when she was at caucus this week, uh, despite the trials and tribulations. So, big issues they're going to be facing, though immigration, Trans Mountain, um, the issues with the many provinces they now don't get along with, (laughs) carbon tax. NAFTA, there's no end to it. But you know, the downside for the opposition of hoping for some sort of immediate election is that they're pretty disorganized. I mean, Andrew Scheer is dealing with Maxime Bernier running off and starting his own party, uh, and with MPs who aren't particularly happy with him. And the NDP just really aren't even on the radar and are bleeding experienced people.
0: Wow. Well, the Liberals could have a lot of fun with that if they wanted to. They could cause some real upheaval. All right, we will look forward to it. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Alex. You too. That is Mercedes Stevenson, our Global News Bureau, Ottawa Bureau Chief. She uh, can be seen on the West Block this Sunday at 11.